Noel Self Connection. We are back with another installment of Making the Case. This time it is an undisputed episode, if you haven't got the hint yet by the title. But hey, what's going on, Tyler? Oh, not much. I'm just sitting here ready to shock the system. Hope you are too. You've been sitting on that line all week. I know. I have. So I will just say real quick that uh, we have a pool and every once in a while you have to throw a bunch of chlorine. Like there's a little stock tank pool and you have to throw a bunch of chlorine in it and it's called shocking it. And I've been wanting to make that joke all the time, but I know my wife wouldn't know what the hell I was talking about. So I'm glad to be talking with you guys that would know that they would get you would get that joke. Shocking the system. There you go. Classic, classic Tyler Kelly comedy right there, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyler, we are not alone, buddy. We're going to try a three way panel. I know you're a big threesome guy, Tyler. So we had we came up with this idea. Ryan Everett, what's going on, man? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. Ready to all. He already used the shock the system joke, so I got nothing. <laughs> All right, so here's real quick, guys. You know how this goes. This is our third, third or fourth episode. Um, I make the case for a wrestler. Tyler make a case for the wrestler. And then we kind of decide within the 10 categories being longevity, charisma, star power, flexibility, peak moments, storylines, promo skills, character work, Work rate, like actual ring, in-ring skills, and work resume, like resume of matches. Tyler and I kind of debate on which wrestler we represent scores better in each category. But this time we're going to try it in three ways. So it could, it's going to be interesting, and we figured that the Undisputed Era was the best group to kind of you know, work around this system and see how it goes. Now it's going to be very similar. So we're going to breeze through a lot of this, but where we think it matters is where we're going to sink our teeth into guys. We think that all three of these guys may make our lists, but we're going to argue for one of them to be higher. We may think that two of these guys deserve to be in our list. We may think one or none belong in our list. Honestly, and personally, I'm not sure about me yet, but I do see the guy that I am representing probably on my list. I'm going to guess around the late 80s, early 90s, maybe mid 80s. We'll see how it shakes out. But Tyler Kelly, who are you representing within the Undisputed Era? I'm representing Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong. All right. So Ryan Everett, you got a hell of a case to make for Bobby Fish. No, no, no Bobby <laughs> Fish tonight. Sorry. We're not going to know how much fish Bobby Fish could fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish. So, no disrespect to Bobby Fish, guys, but <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to make the case for Bobby Fish to be on the list. You know, he's a decent tag guy, and he's a, but at the end of the day, he's a 41-year-old wrestler who added to this group, and the group could have lived on without him. So, Ryan Everett is going to make the case for Kyle O'Reilly. Would you like to start us off with Kyle's longevity? Yeah, sure. So, like we were saying, a lot, all four, all three of these guys are pretty similar. So, as far as this category. Kyle O'Reilly came in at the Brooklyn 2017 show and was with the Undisputed Air most of the time until the last, excuse me, last year when he, well, he kind of turned face and he got turned heel on. And then he was a singles guy until December. So he, he, he lasted into NXT 2.0, but he was, gone by November or December so just over four years so just over four years and what did he really only have one extended break via injury that's it really yeah he was out uh 
for a while, the beginning of COVID. I think he's okay. diabetic, so he didn't want to. That's what it was. That. And that's probably what added on to his contract on why he was there a little longer into the 2.0 era. Right. Yeah, I think that's what so, happened. So that kind of makes sense. All right. So a consistent competitor, um, about four years, debuting the same night of Adam Cole. But Roderick Strong, Tyler Kelly, how long has Roddy been in NXT and how much earlier was he there before Kyle? So Roddy debuted in October 2016 as Austin Aries' partner in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So he's going on six years in NXT. Uh, He was an NXT Cruiserweight Champion, an NXT North American Champion, and two-time NXT Tag Team Champion. Um, And one thing that uh, Roderick has going for him on on the others is he is still there with NXT 2.0. Or for better or worse, that is a fact. I, I don't know. But uh, he, he could, in theory, he still add, be adding to his case. So. Yeah, his case is growing. You know, it's definitely interested to see what he adds the final six months of this year past this. But, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that it's going to be much. Honestly, he's kind of a vehicle to help the Creed brothers and be the leader of the Diving Mine as that group hangs on by a thread. But <laughs> you never know. He, he had some tryouts on main event. And you never know where they're going to use him. He, you know, he recently asked for his release. So that's always interesting, too. But, with, you know, with Triple H getting back in charge down there, I, I think that might maybe ease his temptations to leave a little bit, hopefully. And honestly, if he went up to the main roster, I think he'd be fine. But anyways, you mentioned his 205 rod and two. Right? Are you going to get into that later, Tyler? Um, I talked just a little bit about uh, some of his cruiserweight matches. But... Oh, cool. Cool, cool. All right, well, usually as you talk, I zone out, so. All right, anyway, so, um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Adam Cole debuted in August 2017 with Red Dragon, Kyle Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, in a pretty jump-up moment, attacking Drew McIntyre at the end of his title defeat, after he won the title. Uh, Then he would go on to ravish through the mid-card, and pretty much stayed in NXT, as he gained the, he was the first ever North American Championship, winning that memorable ladder match at NXT Takeover New Orleans. Earlier that night, he retained the NXT Tag Team Championship and won the Dusty Cup Championship. So at that time, he was the first ever two-time uh, NXT Champion or simultaneous NXT Title Holder, however you want to phrase that. Uh, he would go on to win the NXT Title in June. Early June 2019, and then he would go on to hold it for 403 days. He would go on to have a pretty awesome feud with Pat McAfee with some jump-up moments there that we'll get into later. And he would close his NXT tenure with the Undisputed Era flop of a feud slash <laughs> low-key low decent that we'll get into later. It's it, it was just the expectations were too high, and we'll get into that later. But overall... Most of his, well, all, pretty much all of his run was in NXT. It lasted pretty much four years straight on. Didn't really miss a beat. Any, No time, no nothing for a long stretch or anything. Consistently on the show, consistent with Infuse, and really drived that brand as it grew. So overall, I would say his longevity is strong, and I, I would probably give him the notch just because of depth within importance of the show. What say you guys? Um, I don't really consider longevity to be part of depth within the show. So, um, I mean, if I'm ranking them, I rank Roddy because he was there a little earlier and he's still there a little later. 
Um, I well, don't that's... think there's a big difference in the amount of longevity between these three. But Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that too, but I would just – I see, I kind of weigh longevity because, for instance, you can look at Kane, and Kane was there a while. Kane was there from 1997 or even before that yeah, all the way to 2015. Wow, Kane crushed it. But in reality, it's just like it's sour longevity. It's just like go away longevity. Not that Roddy or Kyle would have that, but that's just me an example of me weighing, you know, effective longevity. And I think, like you were said, of course, by the math, Roddy has the longevity. And by the math, you, you know, Kyle, you know, you can give him an extra few months or you could take away the extra months that he had because of COVID. So you could equal that that run out. But importance to the show longevity is where i would give the notch to kyle but if you wanted to give it to roddy excuse me yeah if, well, i would give it to adam but if you wanted to give it to roddy just because of math i'm not going to argue with it it's all like you said it's all similar and it's all equaling but if it, we're gonna you know weigh it i would give it if if you're someone that weighs the longevity i would give it to adam so you're kind of saying like if you almost if you want to think of it like you count the screen minutes for each guy it'd probably be cole more than the other two yeah that and like importance to the show too like adam had a really important four years not that those guys didn't have important four years but they were kind of i would say kyle's last quarter of his nxt run he was an important cog in the machine in the previous three years he was kind of like a you know a mid-card role guy which is very important as we'll get into and then roddy was is kind of just like a a legit mid-card filler important guy all these guys are important it's just if if you're a guy that looks at just straight math it's roddy but if you're a guy that wants to like weigh it in importance and weigh it in an effectiveness more not in, i want to say really effectiveness is the way is, is the lane that i would make to have adam have the most important longevity compared to the actual math but if you're a guy that look at math you're not wrong because longevity is you know it's it's subjective in a way but it's not in a way, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I just think that'll show up in the other categories. So your point's not, I'm not disputing your your point about the effectiveness. I just think that will will show up in the other categories a little bit. So let's go with the math and give it to Roddy. You guys cool with that? Yep. Yep. It's a small check. Anyways, so the, ne- <laughs> the next one is charisma, guys. And if you guys are going to fucking fight with me over charisma, we're going to have to have a discussion. And we're going to have to hit end on the record button. All right. All right. Ryan Everett, what do you got for charisma and Kyle O'Reilly? <laughs> well, I think he I do think he's a strong number two out of these three in charisma because he's got the heel smarmy, like just look of a yeah. dickhead, especially when he's a tag champ coming out giving his little Hollywood Hogan tribute, playing the the awesome theme song on the uh, air guitar belt. And he's, in, at that time, like, is a heel in a tag team that, like, they cheat, but they usually would win clean. He was just such a good little dickhead about it. His charisma is a lot of in-ring charisma, too, or emotes, definitely with yeah. his selling as baby face, too. Um, even if, like, even when the smarmy in-ring charisma, too, that you alluded to, um, totally. It's kind of, in a way, it's underrated. And, you know, in the charisma that he showed with the cool Kyle character, it was like an Orange Cassidy ripoff. That was, that's, that's definitely subjective weighing, but I think that his mannerisms were a better part of that, helped him more than his promos during that run. So, you know, low key, kind of decent charisma from Kyle. 
what do we got for Roddy Strong in charisma? Uh, you know, so a lot of people claim that Strong has a lack of charisma, and I think I was always drawn to him a little bit just because I, I thought he was very workmanlike, doing his job without a lot of fanfare and just being really awesome at it. And I felt like that was something I could kind of relate to. Um, but I don't know how awesome I was, but I didn't don't always get to do a lot of fanfare. But that said, this is pro wrestling, not real life. Uh, so a certain amount of fanfare is expected. And I can't really claim that charisma is a strength for Strong. It's a weakness to you some degree or another. Yeah, Tyler, I just think he's third. And it's I don't think he has bad charisma. If I was going to weigh it out of 10, I'd probably go like a four and a half. Yeah. Oh, I think he's – and. I mean, if we're ranking, I think he's third. I think Cole wins by a mile, and O'Reilly would be any pretty easy second, and you know Roddy's distant from there. So. But yeah, I, like I kind of like Kyle, where it would be a knock, but it's kind of like he has a Roddy has a really cool confidence in his charisma, especially yeah. in ring where he's like setting up backbreakers and he's you know chopping the fucking shit out of you. A lot of charisma shines out of that too so again like i said it would be like a four four and a half if you're i was going to weigh it out of 10 and that you know that's going to hurt you on getting high up the list but it it may just be enough to get him on a list if you know what i'm saying all right so charisma is adam cole's one of adam cole's top 10 you know tap top category out of the 10 um he outshines in every segment he's in um you know it regardless who he's in there with too also um the bay bay the fucking the, the the fingers with the UE uh, just shines regardless. And in ring might be his worst charisma wise, but he, he's still pretty good in ring. He's very engaging with the in ring charisma. But outside of the ring charisma, the entrance, the standing, the posing, the timing, it's just impeccable. He's easily number one here. And honestly, he, it's going to work like how it hurt Roddy away getting up higher on the list. This this category is going to help propel Adam within your list, honestly. Even yeah. even if you're a hater, there are a lot of Adam Cole haters. You can't deny his charisma. No, that's exactly right. That's what I was going to say. This is this is the undeniable part. So yeah. the undisputed so, his undisputed strength, one might say. Hey, Tyler Kelly, very much jokes. Bro. Yeah, I, I need to stop. I'm <laughs> very shocking. <laughs> All right, anyway, so star, star power. What do you got, Kyle O'Reilly and star power? Uh, for him, I said, you know, he was usually tag champ or in the tag title scene. And during that time, like, Undisputed Air was a main event act. I mean, he was in all the first four war games, you know, and each time that was a main event. And it was a main event because of the Undisputed Air as a group. So... And he was always, I felt like he was always number two in the Undisputed Air, especially as he kept, you know, as he teamed with Fish, then he teamed with Strong, and kind of was like the glue that always was attached to the tag title. So I'd say that he was a pretty, pretty high star power. And then in 2021, well, actually it started in 2020, he had a singles the singles uh, feud with Finn Balor, and that really showed him as a main event guy. I mean, those were at least one takeover, and I think uh, like New, New Year's Day, New Year's Evil. Yeah, that was it. So he was definitely getting prepped for the a top singles role, and then 
He had the feud with Cole, which I think you alluded to it earlier. Like it's it's an interesting feud to, in theory, but I don't know if in practice it worked out as best it could have. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. <laughs> you know, they're both also out the door. We'll get into it a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, it gets odd. But yeah, I mean, he's, his star power was always pretty high. I think he was always. I mean, there's a few takeovers where he's not on, but even then, he's probably like fighting for the tag belts. You know, at the NXT big event they had between takeovers and stuff. Yeah, he's a perfect TV main event kind of guy in in any point of his NXT career. And then hit, watching right, him yeah. rise. And then watching him grow and rise up to being the actual NXT TakeOver main event is pretty cool. All right, Tyler Kelly, what do you get for star power within Roddy Strong? Yeah, so Roddy's a lot more, like I think I said before, workmanlike. He's doing a lot of the, you know, a lot of heavy lifting work rate-wise. He's like the Arn Anderson is how I I just see him as a modern-day Arn Anderson. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so a lot of that doesn't, scream star power uh but at the same time i don't want to sell him too short because like ryan everett had just mentioned the undisputed era they were big stars as a group as a unit they are huge stars so roddy's is part of that and you know he's not the brightest star in that group but simply because he's he is in that group he's you know a main event act in nxt and he continues to carry that badge, you know, in, in whatever 2.0 is. He's one of the bigger stars there. So, uh, you know, for ranking him in these three, I wouldn't have him high. I would probably concede as a third again. But, again, I just – for the listeners, I don't want to sell him completely short because the Undisputed Era is – you know, they have a lot of star power as a unit. His star power really was a vehicle to launch Diamond Mine which that group has evolved in been a a revolving door ever since (laughs) it started. But the crust of it is coming off his star power and him, you know, growing within the undisputed era and him just, if you, if you kind of trace the steps back within the undisputed era of him just being sick of everything and then him growing out of that and him shining into leading this group to whatever it had to be with iterations. But anyways, they, they trusted his star power to start this group that they put a lot into. So, and they still put a lot into. So it's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's nothing there, buddy. All right, but again, star power. This is Adam Cole easily. Um, it the back to the charisma. The way his char- charisma is presented, there's no way he's undeniably not a star presented on your TV. If it's you know if it's him on the mic instant star if it's him walking to the ring instant star if it's him before the bell instant star if it's him after a victory instant star and then even within the ring he is a chicken shit heel but he is a star with within doing it he is a fiery baby face he is a star within it you know he can go on and travel to smackdown on dire need never being on the show before and then he's thrown into that world and he looks as just as big of a star as Daniel Bryan, if not having bigger upside than Daniel Bryan, the way he was presented, you know, just let's play the game. But his star power made him that night. 
and the way that they presented him was due to his charisma and his star power. So a lot of his star power is overlapped by the great charisma I just talked to. And again, this star power is what's going to help him propel him up your list. And again, the star power is something you cannot deny. So Adam Cole is first here, but again, even for the haters, this is something that they cannot deny and they have to weigh. Yeah, right, guys. yeah, I totally agree with that. Yep. Yeah, I think you've uh, you've really, I mean, Adam Cole's case comes across in these last two categories. That's yeah, probably what's going to ultimately propel him onto your list or or not propel him onto your list, depending on your thoughts on it. Yeah, and I was being such a stickler with the longevity, huh? What a fucking asshole I am. All right, anyway. <laughs> All right, guys, flexibility. Ryan Everett, what do you got for Kyle O'Reilly and flexibility? Uh, well, pretty good because he could obviously do singles, tags, you know, multi-man, eight-man, war games, battle royals, anything, any situation you put him in, he can wrestle in those. And then uh, he was a great heel in that tag team and as a singles guy. And then like I said, the last year is a face. I think he was in the ring. His work was still really good as a face. I think it was just the personality. They couldn't really come up with what they wanted or it wasn't coming across the right way. But his in-ring work, though, is still up to face. He's really good as a selling as a face, which I mean, you'd see that as a heel, but more as a face, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing to add here. You kind of did a really good job presenting it. You know, an excellent tag guy. Underrated baby face, killer heel. Um, see, I kind of get, I don't want to say I get sensitive about calling him a rejected push because, you know, it delivered a lot of great matches. It was just kind of like a, a weird time of NXT, you know? Yeah. Within the COVID too, and no fans and fans coming back and you know the hotter product was against it and but then again the hotter product overpaid them and grabbed them so maybe that is a kind of a a result of that too so i don't know it's it's a weird time but like you said you did a good job laying it out but strong i would say you know flexibility is strong yeah all right what do you got roddy strong flexibility yeah, so Roddy, he's a flexible worker. He's gone both face and heel. He's incredible as both a singles and a tag worker. Um, I thought he really showed his talent when he was tagging with Kyle O'Reilly, and they immediately were having far better matches than uh, Fish and O'Reilly, the former yeah. Red Dragon that had yeah. teamed together forever. You know, and and I like the Red Dragon team. I think O'Reilly's amazing, and but it just you immediately saw oh. Put him with strong, and you know he he just outshines fish in that role. So, um, and I, I think Roddy uh, could go up and down the card. You know the, the hot tag openers, which obviously he's tagging with O'Reilly. So we'd mentioned there'd be some overlap, and and this is one of those places. But uh, you know the, he had the mid card title, the North American title, and you know he had main event level matches as part of the undisputed era, the multiple war games matches. I thought he could have brawling power matches with wrestlers like Walter uh, because he stayed a little later. He got to face Walter and uh, Draganovich and, and just have some of those interactions and have some more great matches there. We kind of played the underdog and I thought he can do a great job that way. Um, and he didn't look out of place in the ring with AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. 
And now I think he's a really good gatekeeper for NXT 2.0. So he's having good matches with the Braun Breakers and the Carmelo Hayes of the world. And I think that's where um, perhaps his star power comes into play a little bit here too. And that he can help. He has that name recognition, if nothing else, to kind of help make them and, and guide them, you know, through that, uh, that way, just, you know, gatekeeper, I think is the way to, to look at that. Yeah. He's like the NXT old, old guard now, like the only one left from. Right. Free 2.0. Yeah. Okay. Huh? Uh, yeah, um, flexibility is weird, um, because he's been in the same role for his whole four years, pretty much as the leader of the Undisputed Era, um, and that which turned into the leader of NXT. Um, you know, he dipped his toes at in the tag team portion before Roddy came in in that cool angle at NXT, at New Orleans, when the, and then yeah. he won the Dusty Cup there. Um, he's won the North American. So he's, you know, established he was the guy they called to establish that mid card title, which was kind of needed at the time as the NXT roster started to swell up. Uh, and then, he, you know, he just gained momentum and he was undeniable and he was just the leader of NXT as it, you know, went to two hours and it went to the USA Network. He was the trusted hand to go with that. So flexibility in the mid card to establish the belt flexibility as a main event to, to propel it onto USA and go against AEW. Now you can say that it was his fault, you could, but there's a lot of factors in his fault. But according to Tony Khan, every time Adam Cole came on screen, he would sweat and you know, that he's just a weirdo. But anyways, we won't go down, we won't go down that road. But anyways, he was, he was always a guy they leaned on. I don't want to say, but, but what I'm trying to say is you can't blame him for NXT quote unquote losing because he was a guy they constantly leaned on. And of course you can say, well, if they leaned on someone else, maybe they would have lost, but they were roster was so thin star power wise compared to AEW in a, you know, a dimly lit arena compared to the vibrant AEW production on the road. NXT was very bare bones and dark and samely is the way to put it, if that's a word, but Anyways, Adam Cole always shined in that dark arena on a da- kind of you you don't want to call it a down product because I still think the product was great all the way up to Portland, which was right before the pandemic. So right. I think they had a, a a great plan laid out, and I do think that the plan was for him to drop the belt to Dream at probably Tampa. But yeah, you know, I think Takeover Tampa, which was WrestleMania 37, that got canceled. Yeah pandemic so i think that was the 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 plan all along but then dream got wonky and then so what they did was they they still relied on him for another few months to carry him through the uncertain times of the pandemic and they started they won a few weeks during that too where things were weird and whatever so he's just a trusted hand but the flexibility and then jesus christ the flexibility of getting into the mcafee stuff where he kind of turned his character into a sympathetic baby face (laughs) and yeah he he killed in that Pat McAfee segment on his show for that 15 minutes. You know, he was such a good actor. We'll get into that later in, in jump up moments and start and stuff like that. But, you know, his star, you know, just to harp on the star power, his star power matched Pat McAfee's, who's the fucking awesome celebrity star that they had. And the way that Adam Cole presented Pat McAfee really laid the groundwork for his success. And then you can have your, you know, we've been hinting around it, the UE run at the end being kind of stupid or whatever and over the top and masturbatorial or whatever. <laughs> but 
at the core, the promos were great. And then, Jesus Christ, the, the promo against Karrion Cross, the most interesting he's ever been in a snap of a finger for that 10-minute promo face-off he had against Karrion Cross. That just flexibility there to kind of just a failing, sinking champion, throw Adam Cole at him, just help him swim for a little bit. But flexibility, I would say... It's the same role the whole time, but there's peaks where there's so much potential that kind of got a little derailed just because of the size of NXT and the limitations within NXT. I don't think flexibility is bad, but I don't know. I might lean Roddy. But then again, this is kind of the longevity thing again, where it's where you weigh the importance of it. So on paper, you could even say Kyle, too, because Kyle has higher jumps than Roddy, but Roddy's a little more flexible. But Adam might might have the mo- most important flexibility. I don't know. What do you guys take over? What do you think? The tag title stuff, obviously, they do together. And then Roddy gets the North American title and Kyle's in the tag. And I think the stuff at the end, though, with O'Reilly having the matches versus Balor and then main eventing, was it stand and deliver with Cole? I mean, that was still set up to be the at least the second biggest takeover of the year. So... They were showing, you know, confidence in having him in that spot. Yeah. So I think um, that would push him over Roddy, at least. Again, this is kind of like a longevity discussion, too, where it's where you would have to weigh it or you would have to just look at it on paper. Tyler, what's your case for for Roddy and flexibility compared to the other two? So my case would be that I look at that as kind of an in-ring focused uh, category. So like I said, you know, whether they're the plain face, they're playing heel. Are they, can he play an underdog? Can he be more of a bully if he's going up against a smaller guy? Uh, how versatile are they? And that would be the case that I'd make for Roddy. I think he had a little more uh, single stuff than Kyle, but I think those are close. So that's why I would, and I tend to, from an in-ring, you know, standpoint, and, and we'll talk more about it, but I, like Roddy and I like Kyle and he's pretty close. And then Cole later than that. Uh, and, and also for flexibility while, I, you know, certainly the charisma and the star powers there for Adam Cole, his gigs kind of his gig, his shtick is kind of his shtick. Yeah. It kind of always works. So, you know, I wouldn't change it either, but it's, you know, kind of is what it is. So, so that's my case for it. So we don't always have to agree, but that's there's there. I'm making the case. So, so let me just kind of add a little bit towards you. You know, when Enzo Amore leaves or they fire him in 2018 uh, and, and 205 Live is still a young brand and they still have a lot of equity in it and they still have a lot of money in it. And it's a driving force for, you know, the, the cruiserweight division they brought back. Roddy Strong is a guy that they called in there to insert him to insert into the that cruiserweight tournament that they had. And really, he helped establish that by having, you know, two killer to excuse me, three killer cruiserweight title tournament matches against Adeo Tommy, Kalisto, and the eventual in the eventual winner, Roderick Strong. I had them all at three and a quarter, or three and three quarters, and I had the Cedric one at four stars. And I just remember that just really establishing the new direction of NXT or excuse me, of 205 Live of like a really work rate centric show instead of being like a character based show with, you know, Drew Gulak putting on a cowboy hat and you know, Enzo running around with his misfits of toys and just really trying to boost it with entertainment. 
they just really honed in and boosted with in-ring ability, and the show definitely got better. And Roderick, Roderick Strong didn't stay a while, but he, he only stayed like two months, but he was the guy that they called on to really bolster that C show and set it off. So that's another flexibility thing that can go in his way too. But I don't know. I You say Adam Cole is in a lane, but just the way that they used him with the celebrity, just the way that they, they, he established the mid-card, established the, the brand moving as the brand grew. Because don't forget, that brand grew, but they also took it. There was much bigger plans for that too. And, you know, that's always revisionist history or whatever. But Adam Cole was behind that bigger plan too. But, you know, you, can, you can't say it worked out, but I don't know. That's something. We, should we just go old equal sign here? Like our old narrative, let's move on equal sign kind of thing. Or does anyone want to make a final push? Because, you know, I could, I could be, I could be my longevity thing, but then again, it's kind of subjective. This is totally subjective. What do you guys think? Equal sign and let the viewers be the discretion holders. I'd be fine with that. Yep. I'm good with that. We can move along. All right, I'll go equal sign, but you know we made we all made a decent case for all three of them for flexibility, and you know the 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 viewers and the listeners are gonna have to make their own decisions there. All right, guys, peak moments, Kyle O'Reilly and peak moments. What do we got, Ryan? All right, so for peak moments, for one thing, he's has a total of 606 total days as tag champ, so that's across three reigns, one where it's Technically, all four of them, I believe. And then one with him and Roddy. And then one with him and Fish. So he's totaled at 606 days. And then he also, all four war games, he's, I would say, a big part of in each of them. He's got the singles run then at the end with Finn Balor, two Finn Balor matches, and then a, I think three matches with Cole. I think they had Mania, the Bash, and then whatever they called it, SummerSlam or whatever it was being called then. Main eventer for the last year he was there. And like the tag matches in like those 2018-2019 takeovers, like you wanted to see the tag match. It was like a big draw. Really uh, an important guy as they try to battle AEW and invest in Kai, they wanted to keep him. So they invested with him, And that was, you know, and always a pet project of them was to give him a singles run, but he was so important to the UE and the UE was so important to NXT. They would never break away at its importance, but when they broke up, it was around him too. So that's another peak moment too. Um, yeah, you, you, you know, you did a decent job laying it out. Um, he's, you know, he's the, the, the best tag worker out of the three. All right. What do you got for Roddy strong and peak moments? Yeah, so he appeared in the first NXT War Games match, defeating his future Undisputed Era teammates. Uh, and then he turned on Pete Dunne to join the Undisputed Era in the finals of the Dusty Classic to Great save, Love yeah, yeah, save their title in that three-way match. Um, then I just kind of had the the all-timer tag matches that Ryan Everett was just talking about. So yeah. uh, the tags with O'Reilly. Uh, three matches against Mustache Mountain. So good. Uh, Lorcan and Birch, and then the War Raiders. He defeated AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura at Survivor Series 2019. So that that's probably his, you know, that could arguably be his biggest jump up moment. Um, in you know, a surprise win and a, a really great match or a really good match anyway. 
he appeared in the other war games as well, where war games two, three, and four as well. He won the North American title from the Velveteen Dream, uh, but then he lost to Keith Lee, and I thought that Roddy did a great job making Lee's win seem really important. Prior to that, all the members of the, the Undisputed Era had the title, so that was kind of a, you know, that was kind of their, their gimmick at the time. Uh, he also defeated Kushida to win the NXT Cruiserweight title in another good match. Strong little uh, peak moments there from Roddy. All right, Adam Cole in peak moments. Let's just hit the WWE ones before we forget about him. Unbelievable pop in the 2018 Royal Rumble. That's a star-studded Royal Rumble, and his pop would, you know, really weigh with against the others. And you had Cena, Roman, Orton fucking Shinsuke, Finn, all those dudes were in there, and Cole's pop could be weighed with them. Um, another moment was that SmackDown day with SmackDown with the Saudi show and all that bullshit. Brian was still in town, and they went with Brian versus Adam Cole in the main event after NXT started the Survivor Series build and kind of invaded SmackDown. So that was a real cool, memorable night, and that was led by Adam Cole, and he was the main event of that show. Another decent Raw match after that with Seth Rollins. So all that momentum that they uh, with Brian, they cashed in on Raw to try to grab another rating with Seth versus Adam. And, you know, it was a pretty good match, three and three quarters. I think it was even a DQ finish, and it was still that high. And the last WWE moment was against Pete Dunne, four stars at the Survivor Series. Um, that was a loaded show. That show was fucking awesome. And those guys went out there and stole. I don't want to say it was the match of the night, but they really shined in a, like an 18-minute match, and they delivered. All right, so let's jump up peak WWE moments for Adam Cole. But NXT moments, unreal. First, that memorable debut where Drew won the title, and then the Red Dragon reveal, and then they jumped Drew. And then it was, you know, Kevin Owens was in the stands, and he had to see it. So that, that was super cool, super memorable, and it really propelled the Undisputed Era in an awesome, awesome moment. Um, winning the North American title and establishing the North American title at New Orleans Takeover, and also winning the Dusty Cup later that night, and you know, in having like a a medical uh, angle too was pretty important too. And kind of added a little low key toughness, which he of course needed as a shit heel, shit pretty boy heel. But uh, yeah, so New Orleans NXT Takeover New Orleans definitely jump up moments with establishing that that awesome five star ladder, well four and three quarters for me, but five star ladder match. And, he, you know, he won it and shined throughout it. And Jesus Christ, that whole weekend I was in New Orleans and the whole everyone was screaming in the fucking streets, Adam Cole. And then everyone would pause and Bebe just up and down the streets. He was fucking over huge that whole weekend. That was a star studded WrestleMania. Um, And then next he would go on to, you know, a year and a half later. In June, win the NXT title, and I already went over that, 403 days, established the USA Network, an awesome fucking kick-ass four-and-a-half-star match against Matt Riddle in a 16-minute TV four-and-a-half-star match against Matt Riddle on the opening match on USA Network versus AEW, and they just went out there and fucking burned the house down. It was an absolute sprint. It didn't really have much psychology to it besides sprinting psychology. But Jesus Christ, I went back and watched it. I said, no way, this is four and a half stars. My Mark ass back in the day gave it four and a half stars. And probably now I give it four and a quarter. But Jesus Christ, four and a half I gave it. And it was it, it really was fucking awesome. I would go out and watch that match. Um, and then he would, just, like I said, he would just go on, establish the brand through the USA Network era. And then 
he wants he loses the belt to Keith Lee and that pretty memorable. I think they win they win the rating that night too at the Great American Bash night one. Um, they double title, and he would go on to drop it to Keith Lee. He held it you know three months longer than anticipated, and he and he did well with it. And then he would you know Pat McAfee they're in need of ratings, they're in need of star power, and they really you know they invest a lot in, in Pat McAfee and they trust Adam Cole to go out there and deliver for Pat. And Adam is awesome in this. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch the 15 minute interview segment where Pat has him on the show. It's in a, it's on YouTube. It's in a clip by of itself. I just watched it before this and it's unbelievable. They, they, they start in kayfabe and they're both fantastic. Adam, I mean, Adam shows a lot of flexibility within being a baby face uh, while being a smarmy piece of shit. So he's true to his core and, you know, and Pat's just amazing as, as I'm sure we'll get into later on or just in general, you know, I don't think I can gush about Pat all day, but Adam is just fantastic. He matches the star power of, of Pat. Um, he, he, and it's just the way he transfers and he, he, his angst grows and his frustration grows. And then when he calls him short, just the way he fucking snaps and he, it, it, it's just it's just awesome. I can't do enough justice. It, it, it should be weighed for this. Uh, and then they have that great match. Three and three quarters in an empty arena. You know, sure, it was practice. <laughs> but still, it's a lot of these matches are practiced. <laughs> it's whatever. You know, may, maybe if you look at Adam Cole nowadays, he should kind of go back to practicing. You know, not, not to knock what he's doing now because I still love him. But the system of practicing gets knocked, which we'll get into later. But when it delivers, it's hard to knock. Um and then again, he 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 resigns for what two three months extra, and he really puts over Kyle. I don't know if they had a pack the whole time to go to AEW together or whatever, but you know he he was professional regardless. Um, he took the meetings with Vince. I'm sure they pitched him male maximum models and wanted to change his name to Adam Dupree or whatever. <laughs> and uh, you know someone else got that gimmick maybe, but um, yeah, he I, I'm curious where he how he would have landed. On the main roster, I wonder if it would have been like Butch or if it would have been Max Dupree or what they would have done with him. But it would have been. I a think film. he was. I think he was supposed to be uh, Bearcat Lee's mouthpiece. Yeah, that's a, that's also yeah. a rumor. I think he, I think he was the one. I think he kind of shedded a little light and laughter to that. But then again, it was like, yeah, it was actually pitched. But I, I don't think that. I think the the tone that he said it was actually pitched was like in a joking way, but he also could be, you know, saving face and being professional about it too. But Hey, it was definitely pitched. And honestly, he probably would have been awesome at it, but he, that, that was just dead in the water. It would have, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's terrible. That's a terrible idea. It's a terrible gimmick. And it's, it's really dead in the water, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. They would have had to change his name it, or they would have tried to change his name and who knows what he would have done. But regardless, you know, Butch is starting to overcome it regardless, but I think Adam talent would have overcame it. And I don't know, peak moments. Adam Cole is my pick. What do you guys got second? <laughs> As I rambled on. I definitely would go Cole, you know, winning that one pretty, pretty handily. Yeah. Um, yeah I feel like O'Reilly and Strong are close to equal. Um, O'Reilly does have more of that main event run at the end, so I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't argue too much if he, you know, if he got slotted a second. I guess the only case I would make is maybe the Survivor Series matches where Roddy would have his, would stake his claim. But I think they're, 
close. And if any, you know, if I had a gun to my head and had to rank them one, two, three, I might even give it to Roddy. That's, or I mean, give it to O'Reilly as, as two. So. Yeah, I think just go ahead, Roddy. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to check, but like, I have a feeling O'Reilly was in more takeovers. I'm not sure about that though. Now that I say it, well, especially with the last couple of takeovers, but yeah. It yeah, seemed like he was a bigger focal point. If Roddy just catches him in 2.0, I'm not sure. That's a pretty big asterisk. I'm, you know, I, I didn't go through and count the number of takeovers because um, he did have Roddy was having some singles matches even when oh, yeah, Roddy was tagging before he before he joined Undisputed Era, but then also um, when Kyle was tagging with Fish or you know, right. some other thing. Can I weigh in real quick, guys? So I would say for Roddy, you would have to weigh his singles run, his 205 run, and then his diamond mine run versus Cool Kyle's, was it four to six month run, kind of? Was that what it it would end up being? No, it ended up being like a year, actually. Uh, It ended up being a year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it really didn't go into overdrive until like February. Yeah, but it it was like a year, so that's, that's interesting. And then... Low key, he had an awesome ta- that awesome tag match with Von Wagner against Imperium and MSK. Yeah, I just you know, that, watched that this this afternoon. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. good. That's really good. He was really good in that, and he was really good in the, you know, Von Wagner's very limited, and he, and he yes. really brought the best he out was of Von. Able to get him out yeah. and doing something. Yeah, so that's you know that's a little something there, two to way there. So I don't know. I I might go Kyle just because the main event bump, but you know. Roddy's nothing to sneeze at, guys. Yeah, and the the point that I you know we kind of made at the beginning is really we're we're kind of making the case for all of these guys. Uh, yeah. Do it or don't, you know, because I I think they merit some pretty serious consideration on your list. And I think all three will make my list. So. Cool. All right, guys. So I'm gonna go. How about I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Kyle two and Roddy three, but it's close. I'm right close. All right, guys, the next one we got is pro, pro, pro skills. Uh, I think I'll be talking sooner rather than later. So, Ryan Everett, what do you got for Kyle O'Reilly and promo skills? Um, well, I think his best promos were the group, the Undisputed Air group promos they'd have where, they, you know, they'd be sitting backstage and they'd have the music playing underneath. And it would usually be Cole would, like, leave the interview. But then O'Reilly always kind of had his little two cents that he'd put in and he'd kind of do like the sometimes making faces at the camera and stuff and just hamming it up and like really trying to chew the scenery whenever he got a chance to to put his skills on. And then I would say when he got to be, you know, cool Kyle, those promos weren't as good. It was, I think he was, He's more meant for like the quick soundbite interviews and not a leading promo uh, interview spot. Yeah, just real quick to add, I think that his his charisma would help his promos, but the charisma can only help so long until it would stretch out in the verbal (laughs) skills. And and, like he was good with the mannerisms and charisma, but as long winded, he would he would just struggle. Yeah. Which really kind of held him back from propelling into the main event scene on NXT because he was always there. He had a foot in, but really the character in the promo 
kind of prevented him from jumping in. All right, what do we got for Roddy in promos, Tyler? Uh, yeah, so, you know, Roddy didn't seem like he cut a lot of promos to start out in when he was with the Undisputed Era because, you know, there's far better people, most notably Cole. Uh, and then when he was in Diamond Mine, he had Malcolm Bivens to do most of the talking. And uh, at one point, I thought that, you know, at best, he can kind of deliver a generic yet uninspiring pro wrestling promo to get the point across. But but I, I watched a few more, and um, that is a best-case scenario because there were a lot of times he seemed pretty wooden and, and unnatural on the stick. Uh, for someone who has been around for as long as he had, he, he didn't really seem like a real person talking as much. So uh, if Roddy's making your list, it's not for his promo abilities. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So let's make the it's it's Adam Cole, baby. And there's, and there's really not much to add to it to make the case against these guys. But if you want to see Adam Cole cut a promo, just go against the Karrion Cross promo. Um, apparently there's friction backstage leading into this. And then just to wa- watch the emotion that he would, you know, bring out of Bells out. Yeah. He would the emotion he would just spew out of himself, and then the emotion emotion that he would bring out a carrying cross, which was always like his, in my eyes, his like downfall was like real emotion outside of the entrance or the rehearsed emotion or the fake the fake feeling in ring emotion was just like the real emotion carrying cross would have. Adam Cole fucking brought it out in him, and and then just go watch that promo on top of the McAfee stuff. And then just really any promo. I think the one against the head-to-head promo against Gargano, he kind of crushed Gargano. But Gargano isn't a killer promo. You know what I mean? Gargano is, you know, but Adam Cole was, you know, just this title means more to me. And he just, it, it was a short promo, but this is right before the WrestleMania or the WrestleMania 35 weekend takeover, NXT takeover New York. Go home yeah. show for New York. And they just had a killer promo. And it was really all Adam Cole. But, you know, I don't have to get into it. The catchphrase is galore. Adam Cole, baby, the pointing, the crowd chanting along. He's just over. I've been talking about it all podcast. Promos, check. And really, if you if you want, again, just go watch the Carrying Cross one. It's six minutes. So where would you guys go two, three with Kyle and Roddy? Just curious. Ryan first. I would think Kyle would be two because he... Like, he's not the greatest at cutting the promos and stuff. He gets long-winded a little bit, but I think he does at least kind of sound genuine. Whereas Tyler was saying, Roddy sometimes comes as a little wooden. Yeah, I will. Holy shit, that's Camarlo walks out. Anyways, um, <laughs> real quick, just going to say, the it might be recency bias, but... You know, the last few weeks, recording this on the night Cena returns, but the last few weeks on NXT 2.0, Roddy's been a little decent, decent little promo himself. I think they're pre-recorded for the most part, but, you know, in a pre-recorded stance, Roddy is was a little more better than Kyle. But overall, like backup, short bursts and mannerisms, I would lean Kyle. But again, this is super close, Tyler. Yeah, uh, I think I would probably super close on a lower yeah. scale. Anyways, continue. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would probably lean Kyle. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't argue too much in favor of Roddy. Um, I think maybe our next one, you know, is 
it's hard for me to separate, you know, some things like character work and promo are, are related. And I think that that's where Kyle can kind of take an advantage. And I, that sometimes makes the promos better too. All right, Ryan Everett and character work. What do you got for Kyle O'Reilly? So for character work, he's, you know, he's really good at being a cheating tag, t- you know, heel tag team wrestler. That was, I mean, his specialty for 75% of his run, really. And they're just, you know, classic, you know, get to the, get the guy in the corner, work over a body part. Either if it was a strong or fish, you know, they he'd still had good chemistry with both of them. They'd always do, a, you know, get the rough distracted spot, play, you know, all the classic tag spots. And they were always hamming it up with the fans and egging them on. You know, they were like the cool heels. So the fans would cheer them, but would boo them during the match. And then as that went on, he kind of kept that and just kind of kept adding more annoying, like little movements into his repertoire, I'd say. And then eventually though, he gets the singles push, gets the matches with Balor and he's kind of, well, the whole, at that time, the whole undisputed air is kind of turning face because of the McAfee feud. So he kind of is turning face and then they have the uh, St. Valentine's Massacre, and it was Balor and Dunn. Balor wins, and then afterwards, the Kings of Wrestling, is that what they were called? The McAfee group? Uh, Something like that. Or, yeah. Yeah. So it's, but, it's Pat McAfee, Oni Larkin, Danny Burch, and Pete Dunn. Right, yeah. So they come out and start attacking Balor, so then the Undisputed Air comes out and, you know, clears the ring, and O'Reilly helps Balor up, and that's when Cole superkicks Balor, and then superkicks Cole. I mean, super, sorry, Cole superkicks O'Reilly, and that kind of sets up. Now he's not just like this guy who's st- kind of turning face. He's now like a face against uh, once again, full-fledged heel, Adam Cole. And then from there, he gets his beard grow out real scruffy and starts wearing a lot more denim than he had been before. And, yeah, the end is a weird time. It's just a weird message. Like, I don't know what they were trying to do with them. Like, once they got to 2.0... Von Wagner, who I think he was fired like two weeks, two months after O'Reilly left. So it wasn't. No, he's like, still there. <laughs> oh, he is? Yeah. Oh. So Robert Stone. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I did again, see that. I think you, that's a great example of what he might as well have been. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the problem with, like I was saying, I was watching the Von Wagner Imperium MSK match. And like, they were talking about some guy on the show who I've never heard of. I don't think he's still there. And it's just, yeah, that once it became 2.0, I'm kind of in a, in a blind spot. So yeah, it's hit or miss. Yeah. All right. Anything better for Kyle O'Reilly, excuse me, or anything better for Roderick Str- Strong in promos there, Mr. Tyler Kelly? Uh, in character work. Um, 
no, he's uh, excuse me. Hey guys, this is this is it's been a long show. Hey, well we're we're just getting getting started here, so I know. The uh, Roddy's character is that he's a member of a faction. Uh, he was <laughs> one of the uh, workers of the UE, and I guess the leader of the Diamond Mine. Um, but I I don't know that he has many character motivations outside of winning matches and championships. Uh, at one point, I know NXT did some vignettes about his real life that were interesting and made him someone that you cared about more. I mean, I and I thought those were really good. I don't know that that ever really went anywhere. <laughs> and then he did he did some skits after Dexter Loomis kidnapped him, uh, where he went to a therapist that turned out to be Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly. And I did think O'Reilly kind of stole the show in there, so that's maybe a, a notch in, you know, notch for him, but. Uh, yeah, Roddy's not leaving NXT for Hollywood anytime soon. He's not going <laughs> to go the path of The Rock. So uh, I thought he was pretty bad in the Loomis angle, which uh, really sucked because it kind of creeped into the match and then made that worse. But So his character work, um, you know, I, again, I keeps talking a lot about the things that aren't his strengths. So here, here shortly, I'm looking forward to talking about reasons why, you know, I – the reasons I think are his strengths, but um, just simply a, a member of the Undisputed Era would be his character, which, you know, we talked about in Star Power. I may be undersung that a little bit because that that's not nothing, but he's not going to add a lot of value with the things he does outside of the ring. Yeah, again, character work, checkmark, Adam Cole. Uh, you know, I think Ryan or Tyler might have said this. There's not really why we were talking about flexibility. He has been the same character, but guys, if it works, it works. Um, he's been the same cool, cocky heel the whole time. And even when he was a baby face, he was the same cool, cocky douchebag. Um, but when he was a baby, he was able to elude some sympathy within the storylines. You know, so that's kind of like some depth within this character. Yeah, you know, he, he could he be this character on the main roster? Probably not, but I think that he has enough skill set within this, you know, same character to do whatever they would have asked. If that was, you know, be a manager, if that was to be a male model, if that was to be a scrappy underdog babyface, whatever he would have been thrown at, I have the confidence of saying he would have been totally fine at it. But um, you know, not much to harp much into this, but I think it's easily Adam Cole. Bebe. All right, character work. What do you guys got for Roddy and Kyle? Who, who are you going to nudge? Go with Kyle a little bit? Yeah, I like would. There? I think so, yeah. All right, that's cool. All right, guys. Storylines. What do you got for Kyle? Well, here's the thing with storylines, guys. They, it's they've been in, They were in the UE for two and a half years. Right, so. yeah. You know, what outside of well, while touching within the undisputed era, outside of the sameness of it, you know, what what do you what do you got for Kyle? All right, so he was always the tag guy. You know, he came in with fish, so they were Red Dragon and the ROH, so they kept stayed together. We're a tag team. They took on they uh their first real big time match was the War Games match, and then they beat. Sanity on a NXT in I think it was late December 2017, and then from then any you know tag matches every takeover 
every you know month on NXT TV. They would just have these classic matches every time, and then you know even if you know the stuff happened where Fish got injured, so it was Cole for the New Orleans night, and then Strong from there. He never missed a beat. He just kept on rolling, and then he kept doing that in the tag picture until pretty much 2020 when they had the uh, Eliminator match and he ended up coming out on top so they gave him a match with Finn Balor for the title and that pretty much kept him and it got he lost the match but you know it was a clean finish and you know he didn't attack Balor or anything afterwards so it was kind of like becoming like a a rival to Finn Balor, but like a healthy rival for him, kind of. And then from there, he kept kind of tweening more face. And then he had the moment where, you know, he he helps Balor and Cole sees that and hits Balor and then hits Cole or hits O'Reilly. And that kind of sets up their feud that they have pretty much from February to August, I think. Yeah, August is the last encounter. And then from there, he goes into 2.0 and starts a partnership with Von Wagner. And then they turn on each other. And then Von Wagner kills him in a cage match, pretty much. He had a pretty memorable exit, too. You know, they gave him a lot of... yeah. You know, that was quote-unquote Gargano's night, or Gargano might have been the week after, but Kyle's treatment kind of was under the radar, but it was, you know, it was a really nice send-off, and it was well-deserved. But yeah, he made, that Von Wagner pairing at the end was kind of interesting. <laughs> All right, Roderick Strong and storylines. What do you got, Tyler? Yeah, so the first one that I think is was significant was when the Undisputed Era... Uh, which was Cole O'Reilly and Fish at the time, tried to recruit Roddy, and he faked joining the team. He put on the UE armband, and then it was a it was a fake out, so he attacked them, uh, and then he joined the Authors of Pain to defeat you know his former or his future teammates in the war game, in the first war games. Uh, so um, Ryan Gray, you had mentioned the cruiserweight championship tournament, and Roddy defeated Hideo Itami and Kalisto before losing to Cedric Alexander in the semifinals. So those were all really good matches as well. And his next, uh, you know, storyline would be when he joined the Undisputed Era, you know, turning on Pete Dunne at the 2018 Dusty Rhodes Classic uh, in the finals in the three-way with the Authors of Pain. And that was also for the NXT titles held by the Undisputed Era. So that turn then, of course, you know, sets the uh, the theme for our our podcast tonight, and you know, set him on the way to consideration for one of the top hundred WWE wrestlers. So, a lot of things we've talked about, all the great tag work with with Kyle, uh, a lot of the War Games matches. So, you know, like we said, those are probably applicable to all three of the people we're talking about. So, um, Strong had a feud with Matt Riddle culminated in a great match at TakeOver 25, with Riddle coming out ahead. Uh, then he began chasing the North American title, 
competing against Pete Dunne and Velveteen Dream in a three-way at TakeOver Toronto in August of 2019, uh, with Dream retaining. But Roddy would eventually defeat Dream for the North American title in September. Uh, so that gave the, you know, UE all the gold at the time. And then he would then feud with Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic uh, over the North American title, defeating both of them on the 10-23-19 NXT TV. And that kind of dovetailed again in with the other Undisputed Era feuds. So another War Games match. Um, and then I, I had mentioned the Survivor Series match against AJ Styles, the U.S. champion, and Shinsuke Nakamura, the IC champion. So a three-way match at Survivor Series 2019 for the secondary titles on each brand. And then he strong would lose the North American title to Keith Lee after a 126-day reign. I thought the two had a very good match, and I think Roddy did a very good job of making Lee look special and making that win seem important. I talked a little bit about the Dexter Loomis kidnapping event um, and how Strong was traumatized and sent to <laughs> therapy, and he... Uh, you know, was scared of car trunks and Loomis, and this was all rather dumb and culminated in the strap match at the Great American Bash, and the match sucked, and so did the angle. <laughs> but then, you know, we went the McAfee angle that you'd mentioned, and then the split of the Undisputed Era. Uh, so then Roddy forms the Diamond Mine, and it kind of been a rotating cast of characters, but the Creed brothers you know, are there now, and like you said, Ryan Gray, they may be, uh, Roddy can maybe be a vehicle to help them gain some prominence here. Uh, he also won the NXT Cruiserweight title from Kushida in September of 2021, uh, successfully defended against Joe Gacy at War Games. Uh, and then on TakeOver New Year's Evil, he lost it to Carmelo Hayes, who unified it with the North American and he unified the North American and Cruiserweight titles in a good match. And the Diamond Mine has been feuding with Imperium. And so those have yielded some pretty pretty good matches and have been turning them face. So so that's, those are the storylines I've got. All right. So Adam Cole debuted at the Survivor Series, or excuse me, SummerSlam Week 1, 2017, at, at the Brooklyn Takeover. I forget the number. Um, attacking Drew McIntyre, as we alluded to earlier, would go on to have the War Games three-way, where he would have a, a feud with San. The Undisputed Era would feud with Sanity, and Authors of Pain with Roderick Strong. Um, he would have a pretty good ladder match or Extreme Rules match against um, Aleister Black on the Royal Rumble weekend before they, you know, having a cup of coffee in the WWE at the Royal Rumble. War Games, I mean, uh, New Orleans Takeover, the La Dusty Cup winner and um, North America winner, as I alluded to earlier, uh, would go on. And then really, this is his probably the first half of 2019 where Chiampa gets hurt. So they call his number early and they go to that Gargano stuff and that two out of three falls match against Gargano's. Had no business being two out of three falls, but Jesus Christ, did it work? You know, I watched that recently as as a request of someone, and um, 
Yeah, it lives up to the hype. I, I went five on that, and um, it's it justifies. I don't think it it gets too masturbatory. That's the kind of the summers for this for those two. But you know, Cole Cole's neck. He worked on Gato's neck the whole time, setting up his future shock, setting up his Panamera sunrise move, and the structure of the match really was there. It was an HBK special that didn't really veer off because it was the first one in line. Because, you know, HBK, HBK does a good job of staying focused, but he kind of gets a little off focus when he tries to one-up it, one up itself. And, yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? So a focused HBK without really having to break and bend the rules of one-upping the last time around, um, that was everything in that two out of three falls match. They went, let's be real. They went out of two out of three falls to make it special. They went two out of three falls to add structure to the match. And honestly, it, it was so well wrestled and it was so well laid out that it didn't really hurt it. You know, Cole tapped out on the second fall instantly right. because he had, because he had the advantage of the first fall. So he was smart. He was a smart heel by tapping. So he didn't get damage. Um, and then just the whole sprint from the 30 to 38 minute mark, the, the, the UE run in was fantastic. Um, the near falls, the crowd was like <laughs> super unfucking glued. I actually went to GCW over that, you know, regrettably, of course, because I was in town that weekend and I went to GCW because we bought the tickets earlier because they put the NXT on a Friday night for some reason late. So we had GCW gave, you know, we had front row tickets. So we were like, Ugh. Rossi and I were like, we should go to take over. But we had the GCW and we just went with GCW. And then I'm there on in GCW watching this match on my phone versus Marco <laughs> Stunt. <laughs> so, so and, I, and then I'm just totally glued to this match. So that match to me lives up the hype. And then I was at the title change, the title change again, very, very fucking good added to it. It didn't really get to quote unquote master masturbatory. Um, and then the finish was so surprising where he won the fucking place paused and popped. It was really cool. Great moment. Um, and then the, the Brooklyn one's terrible. It's, I think it's two out of three steel cage. Weapon oh match. God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's like yeah, it's it's, it's like, hard to say terrible because the risk that they took and the it was rest, but it was booked so bad and it was isn't it's, it like fifty minutes. It's close, but it's it's a it's it's not one. It's it's two black eyes on the Shawn Michaels name for <laughs> you know building these and this is where I would understand it. But the you know the the early stages of this Cole uh, of this Gargano discussion, I don't I I would definitely argue against it but at the you can't there's no arguing against the brooklyn triple you know two out of three fall whatever k it's like you said it's 45 50 minutes and it's like it's so unnecessarily risky <laughs> it's just like it's it's ridiculous it's it's cole gargano ridiculous when they're on their fourth round trying to up one up it you know what i mean so there's no denying that. So, if, you know, of course, the detractors are going to get there. But, you know, you can't take away that two out of three New York Mac. And you can't even take the, the title change at 31. I don't think you can take those two away. And I would I would fight for those. If you're an Adam Cole um, defender or believer, that, that's what that's the flag you stand on. But anyways, um, enough rambling about Gargano. I just haven't gotten into him. And then the, um, you know, and then he was two, 430 days. 
the McAfee stuff transition and then the implosion of UE. He was really good in the promos with the implosion of UE and the one undisputed era match that you should implosion match that you should watch is the TV great American batch match. I had it four and a half. It's yeah. fantastic. There's yeah. no weapons. It's just very well wrestled. Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole go out there and lay their dick out there and they fucking show out and show up. So that's Adam Cole. Then he leaves right after putting Adam, uh, Kyle O'Reilly over at TakeOver SummerSlam weekend last year. Yeah. So I think storylines, what do you guys think? Is it because of the McAfee stuff? We go Adam. Is it because of the, the Cole stuff? We go Adam. The, being the undisputed era leader, is it Adam? I'm just trying not to say Adam every time, but is it too obvious again? Yeah, I think this is another one where, I mean, he was – the leader, he was the more most important guy. So, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, O'Reilly's storyline would just be, you know, okay, this is the tag team that's challenging them. There, there wouldn't be a real like feud behind it too often. Yeah, and then, but you know, my thing with with that is, um, even when Adam or when Kyle O'Reilly was out on his own, quote unquote, you know, outside of the Finn Balor stuff, it was always circled and led back to Adam Cole. <laughs> right. So, Tyler, can you make a case again for for Roddy instead of Tyler? I mean, for Roddy instead of Kyle, a lot of names here, buddy, for the the second spot? Uh, so I think that he had more secondary storylines just around things like the North American titles, some of the secondary titles, some of the storylines before he joined Undisputed Era. Uh, you know, he he turned on his team to join Undisputed Era. So that would be my case for that. He's got Diamond Mine after uh, Kyle would have left. So, I, you know, and it may just be a simple matter of he had a little bit of time beforehand. He had a little bit of time after. And during the Undisputed Era run, uh, like Ryan had said, that Kyle was almost always in that tag team, you know, role. And, Sometimes they just didn't have a whole lot of a, a feud to it. They just, you know, it was whoever was next up. So, so I guess that would be my case for it. And Ryan, do you have a case for two? Uh, I would just say, you know, the the uh, the way that he rolled with the tag teams, whoever was in there, and just didn't miss a beat. I think is kind of his strongest point. Oh, I might go Roddy here, honestly, but um, I can see Kyle. This is where I would think that Kyle's would get, I don't want to say punished, but maybe the punish of where the resume and the work and the flexibility helps him, but like successful storylines where he would, you know, shoot up to the main card where this would be dinged back down and punish him because it wasn't really successful. Like this is the category where I would kind of knock the run and where of course, or Roddy doesn't really have the, you know, the, the highs, but he's kind of consistently good with jumping in the tag or being that mid card undisputed era guy that can feud with Velveteen dream that can feud with Matt Riddle that can feud with Tyler, Tyler breeze. And, you know, just really, kind of 
be there on the side of the Undisputed Era. So that's kind of where I would separate the two, where the is the risk worth the reward with Kyle? But I think it's close, but I'm going to give a little bit to, to Roddy here. But that's very subjective. The viewers can go their own way. If you guys want me to put equal, I'll go equal. I don't give a fuck. No, majority rules. I'll go. I could get behind Roddy. All right, give, give Roddy a little love, the guys. Tyler's over here fucking crying in, in his. <laughs> no, I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm rubbing my hands <laughs> like no, here in a minute. I'll get to go. <laughs> so. Well, it's funny that we have two categories left, and you know, this is might where you guys we've been shining the heel, the heels been shining this baby face up all night. Can you guys sign <laughs> up for this baby face comeback or what? Work rate. Kyle O'Reilly, what do you got? All right, so his work right is, I mean, he's got to have a case for one of the best heel tag team wrestlers yes. in WWE history. I mean, he was three years, like, the top heel tag team, so they wrestled almost every takeover, so he always was showing it off. You know, plenty of long NXT TV matches also. And just always able to work such a sound tag team match. Like I remember going to, I was at NXT Chicago and they faced Lorcan and Birch and going into that Lorcan and Birch hadn't had too much TV time. It kind of like came out of nowhere, this match, I think. Yeah. And so a lot of the fans didn't really know who they were and we're, they were cheering for the undisputed air when the match starts, but they just do such a good job being these dick, dick heels during the match that by the end, the whole crowd was going crazy for Lorcan and Birch and booing the undisputed air. And that just music. kind of, that just kind of goes with what he was able to do in these tag matches. And then Eventually, when he turned face, the matches, I think he got more. He wouldn't cheat as much, but he would still like pull tights or pull hair and stuff. So he didn't go completely, completely soft. Yeah. Uh, Nothing really to add there, just technically, like you said, this is the case I would make. One of the best heel tag team wrestlers, and, you know, a really good babyface tag team wrestler, too. Just flat out one of the best tag team wrestlers in the history of WWE. And that's really what you should weigh if, if, if it's in the back, bottom three, bottom five, whatever. Bottom 15, he should be on your list, in my opinion, due to that alone. And then, you know, even, fuck. Even as like a mid card, like technically, like go watch those Finn Balor matches, man. That's that shit's fucking awesome. You know what I mean? That Matt based style, you can see, yeah, a little boring for TV. Yeah, you, I was I remember criticism. Yeah, boring on TV compared to the AEW, you know, glitz and glamour. But fuck no, that like hell of a recipe for a better match in my opinion. Kyle Riley's great. I think he's super flexible in ring and he's awesome. In Roddy, we haven't even got to. What do you got, Tyler? Yeah, so this is where this is why I picked Roddy. It was these next two categories. This is where he makes his case. I think Roddy Strong is just an elite worker. 
his offense is as crisp as it comes. It's, you know, whether it's those signature chops, the kicks, high knees, uh, or the backbreakers, of which he is the messiah of, in case you were unaware. Um, <laughs> and I do like that that, you know, that's working towards the stronghold submission. I, I mean, you don't see it finish a lot of matches, but you didn't see Ric Flair actually finish a lot of matches with the figure <laughs> four. It gives us, you know, a structure to the match, which I like. Um his move sets incredibly diverse. He's adding things like the angle slam and those running forearm things that he does. And he just has enough stuff that he can have believable matches with anyone, whether it's a monster like Walter or, you know, someone that's a little more action oriented. Uh, but, you know, it's not just about the moves. I'm not just a moves guy. Strong's a good seller. Uh, and, and he just really knows how to structure a match, I think. And it works well, whether he's the underdog uh, or, you know, stooging in tag matches. Uh, I think he's really good at making his opponents look good. I, I mentioned he made Keith Lee look like a killer. And uh, Ryan Everett, I'm going to, you know, parrot some of the things you just said, too. I, I just can't say enough about how well the Roddy and O'Reilly team made everyone face, have the hey, look good. They made everyone they face look good. That, that Lorcan and Birch match you were talking about is the perfect example. I mean, I think they're talented, but they made you believe that Lorcan and Birch were going to defeat the Undisputed Era at that time, which I don't think – I mean, I think we all knew that there was no way that was going to happen. But uh, like you had mentioned, Ryan, they they turned the crowd against them just with their work. And yeah. it's it's just beautiful tag team heel work. It's the Midnight Express would be proud. Their timing is so perfect. Um, I'm not sure any team in WWE has ever had a run like they did, even though it was a short period of time. Like the Revival is the only other team that I can think of that had that, you know, like a year long run of matches that good, you know, that we'll talk about in the next category. So. All right. Adam Cole is third here. (laughs) You know, his in-ring work is a is a mix of cosplay, performance, light, and super kicks. But I would not call him a bad wrestler at all. You know what I mean? If but we'll get into his resume very soon. But he is third. This might be low key his weakest category. If you want to, you know, if if you don't put much weight into longevity, or if you, you know, if you don't put much weight into uh, NXT in general, um, this might be his worst category, but as we get into his resume in a few minutes, it's hard to no- say he's not a very good wrestler, but I would, you know, those, those four words, performancey, cosplay, light and super kicks are, would be considered knocks, but in a weird way, you can't call him a better wrestler. So I'm just move on. He's third. Now I'm going to let you guys fight over the check mark on this one. <laughs> I think it might be a double check mark in my opinion. If if I had a vote, this is you know, <laughs> let's put a little just real quick. Tyler and I were were two were a duo, right? And then Ryan, we we talked to Ryan and I had this idea of hey, let you know, let's try a three-way podcast because honestly, you were going to do Roddy and I was going to do Kyle just because of this category right here, <laughs> right, right, Tyler. So yep. 
So this category right here is what we were going to battle over. So I've, <laughs> I've taken the long, the high and the long. If you guys want to battle, have at it. If you guys want to go equal, if you want to give one more case, what do you got? Uh, Tyler, elder statesman, I'll let you go first. Yeah, well, I I think that this is where it kind of comes to personal preference. So, yeah, that's again, true too. I, I just like the way Roddy works so much. That's where for for the match resume that he has that we'll get into next, which I think is incredible and stacks up against a whole lot of wrestlers that are on the list and will be higher. He's got more matches, but this is where I think it he separates himself greatly because it's uh, this is where the difference shows that it's just how he works every match. It's not necessarily just the great ones. And the Arn Anderson comparison, you know, comes back to my mind because that's the, those are the two guys I think of as being more, you know, the input's always there and sometimes the output's there too and has great matches. Um, and that's where I just think there's some mileage between, you know, like there's some mileage between them and Adam Cole or even other wrestlers that we're not talking about tonight. I think he's well ahead of a lot of other wrestlers. And because I prefer that style, that's why I would go Roddy. And I will say that I really like Kyle O'Reilly too. I really like the, some of the submissions, uh, sort of the MMA style. I think he really does a good job making that work. So, but I'm not going to do any more of your job for you, Ryan Everett. So I'm going <laughs> to let let you handle it from there. So. Yeah, I was just going to like, kind of like you were saying, it's a preference thing. You know, O'Reilly's more submission based, map based, and Roddy does that also, but he's also kind of, is more the high impact moves, you know, the the backbreakers, which he is which he is the Messiah of, I've heard, and you know, lots of moves work in the back, work in the neck area, and then O'Reilly like will really zone in on a body part, usually a leg if he can get it, work towards towards the heel hook. But I just would look at O'Reilly, and I think like his work rate was able to get him all the way up into the main event. I think that's the, the thing that I would say pushes him. That it was recognized more, I guess you would say. All right, can I jump in now? I, I've digested this information you guys spewed a, a little bit more, and this is kind of the synopsis that I have, that Kyle's work rate, you know, helped propel him to the NXT main event right but this is just purely speculation and purely like what ifs but i i think personally if you were to compare the two i think roddy's work rate would give him a better shot within the wwe raw and smackdown like system just out of believability and you know meshing with other superstars superstars listen to me meshing with other wrestlers (laughs) up there mess just mesh being more real like being more like flexible against like a bigger guy just comparing roddy just like looking at roddy again in the aj and nakamura or was it rollins and nakamura excuse me um just how believable he looked and just you know he it, went over it was aj it was aj and nakamura okay yeah rollins and nakamura yeah. the year before my bad my bad my bad yeah i should have stuck with my gut huh tyler but i just think under the wwe raw and smackdown umbrella I just feel like Roddy would have a little more longevity within his work. 
But honestly, I couldn't even. Per- this is like picking favorite sons for me. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I guess I go Roddy, but shit, Kyle O'Reilly's a, like if Roddy's a ten, not in ring. Roddy, uh, Kyle O'Reilly's like a nine point nine, nine point eight. <laughs> you know? So it's super subjective, but I'm just gonna go a ch. Roddy that and that's just personal opinion like you guys said earlier you know honestly this is the category I'd love to feel hear the most feedback in the threads too now Tyler where can they find those threads real quick uh so there's a Facebook page um so as we're looking and revisiting this uh GWWE revisited um you can find that on you know through any of the place to be feeds uh if you're having any trouble finding it um shoot me a note on uh, search it whatever and uh, we'd be happy to get any feedback from this discussion or from any of the other discussions uh jt and aaron are going through their list uh, on a uh, no holes barred and marcus and tim not the Toolman taylor are doing a uh, sort of a prices right high low so any of those we'd love to hear hear any feedback or if you just want to uh, discuss different guys on the Facebook page. So pretty much just find us on Facebook. If you can't find the page, we'll set you there. All right, cool. Hey, a little plug ski. We never plug, but right, we might as well do that right before the main event. Ryan Everett, give us Kyle O'Reilly's match resume. This is my favorite subject, by the way, guys. All right. So we've got his first big match was uh, the War Games match, which was, you know, all three of these guys competed in, and there will be plenty of those matches. And after that, uh, about a month later, him and Bobby Fish teamed against Sanity on NXT TV, and that's when they won the tag titles for the first time. And then from there, it's like every takeover. Like at Philadelphia, it was against the Authors of Pain, and they got probably the Authors of Pain they they make the authors of pain uh faces somehow and like sympathetic faces getting worked over when you know either one of the authors of pain looks like they could squash both of those guys in one you know flash and then from there the next takeover is new orleans and that's where it was him with cole versus the authors of pain versus strong and done and strong turns and helps undisputed air win and then from there he starts teaming with uh roddy for like i said the lurkin and Bort birch match in chicago takeover and then they have the trio of classic matches against mustache mountain uh one at the uk tournament special and one was on nxt tv and so Mustache Mountain wins the titles of the first match, loses them the second match on NXT, and then loses the rematch at NXT Brooklyn. And it's just all three of those matches are just classics. And by the third one, it's building on what they did in the first two with, you know, wanting to throw in the towel because Bate was injured. And it's just a great, great feud. And then from there we go to War Games two, and he's you know he's an integral part of all the War Games matches. He's always in there 
getting his shit tossed and usually flying into the cage. And you know that if it was 10 years ago, he would be happy to slice a blade across his face and get meshed against the cage. But <laughs> And then 2019, it's him and Strong against the War Raiders, and that's where they dropped the titles for a while. And then Fish comes back, and he starts teaming with Fish again. They fight the Street Prophets, the Forgotten Sons, and Lorcan and Birch in a tag ladder match for the Naked titles. And Street Prophets win, but I was definitely watching it. I thought for sure uh, Fish and O'Reilly would win because it didn't seem like anyone else was really going to be able to fill the role. And then Street Profits win and actually take the belts with them to the main roster when they were doing like their updates on Raw. But then they came back to NXT and surprisingly won the retained the belts at NXT TakeOver Toronto before SummerSlam that year. But then like two days later at a taping, they lost the belts to Fish and O'Reilly. And then from there, they also, him and Fish had a great match against Revival on the NXT TV right before Survivor Series 2019. That's when they were doing the three-pronged invasion stories. So the Revival came back to NXT for one week. I and love then, that match. I'm so glad you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. Survivor Series week, too. Unreal. Yeah. And then that week, War Games 3, which is just a crazy, crazy match with all the tables. I think it's the best NXT War Games match. It's personal That's the KO one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Personal bias also. I was at, in the crowd for that one, so that also. Oh, you mock. Might, might, might <laughs> give me, boosted a star in my eyes. Oh, nice. But, then uh, after that, then there's a great match at that Worlds Collide where it's the Undisputed Air against Imperium. And it's just a crazy eight-man tag, like going balls to the walls the whole time until Wal- I think Walter gets alone with Bobby Fish, and that's the end for the Undisputed Air. <laughs> and then he's... Still teaming with Fish, and they face the Broser Weights at uh, NXT Portland Great. and lose the belts there. And that's kind of it for him as a tech, because then COVID hit and he went away for six months because he was uh, diabetic. So he didn't want to, you know, risk himself at that time. But then he came back when it was safe. And he won an Eliminator Gauntlet on TV the one week, and that was just to determine the number one contender. So he got a match with Finn Balor at TakeOver 31, and it's just a great, like, 25-minute straight-up wrestling match, you know, a lot of chain wrestling. And then it picks up where, like, the last 10 minutes, they're just throwing huge bombs at each other. And then from there, he had... War Games 4, and this one was 
this was a really good job, but just it's the one match really where you see the undisputed air is full on faces and it is jarring to see and they do a good job of it. I think a lot of it was because McAfee was just such a natural heel that anyone that he's feuding with is going to get some face reaction, but they helped carry it also for sure. And then from there, he had a match with Pete Dunn on NXT TV, and that gave him a match against Finn Balor at it was New Year's Evil. And again, like these hard-fought type matches that they just couldn't. He, he could beat anyone. He just couldn't get over Balor. Balor like had his number. And then after that, he started his feud with Adam Cole and had the the three-match series with him, the one in Stand and Deliver, which was like a 40-minute, I think it was no hold bar or unsanctioned match. That was unsanctioned. And then... Was it two out of three? Created, I thought Great American Bash was two out of three. Oh, I no, thought, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I think the yeah. first one was two. Well, the first one was unsanctioned. Great American Bash was a straight up match and it was excellent. Okay. And then the third one was, I think. Is that like three stages of how, like. Yeah, it was two, two out of three falls. Was, with... was 36. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I got it right here. Singles, street fight, cage match. Yeah. Okay. Kind of remember that. No. It's and best. then. From there, oh, he did also the last summer. He did have uh, at the in your house him versus Karrion Cross versus Gargano versus Balor versus Cole, which is a really fun That's match. Fantastic! It's just like the perfect way to get like this monster character over, as he just like keeps coming. Like they keep throwing him through the door and all that shit, and he just keeps coming back and back. Yeah, that's a really fun match if you haven't seen it, and then. So, yeah, the matches with Cole, I would say, yeah, the Great American Bash is a great match. But, yeah, the TakeOver 36 match, that's kind of where you're getting into, like, the masturbatory, you know, he's hitting Panama Sunrises on the steel chairs off of a ladder, and it's a two count. It's like, well, what the hell do you have to do to these guys? And then, no, go ahead. Yeah, that's just like we talked about earlier with HBK. It's the knock. It's the one yeah. up in each other, and it's you know, it's it's unfortunate because they're better than that. HBK is too. Continue. Yeah, and then from there he gets into the NXT NXT 2.0 and gets put with uh, is he Bo Beverly or Blake Beverly Jr. I forget which. Um, it, uh, Bloom. Okay. I think that's Bo. Maybe. Wayne Bloom, so, yeah. Yeah. So, Man Wagner, his seed, and he teams with him for a couple good matches. One against Imperium and MSK, and then just one versus Imperium. And after the Imperium match is when Von Wagner like tries to turn on O'Reilly, but he saw it coming, so he fought him off, and then they have a cage match the next NXT, and that is the the death of Kyle O'Reilly in NXT as he gets stretchered out with 
of cage door slamming on his head ten times. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's long, but it's strong. What do you got for strong yourself there, Mr. Uh, Mr. Tyler? Yeah, so I'll, I'll uh, put them in kind of the order that I had them highest, and I'll throw some some of my star rankings, which don't mean a lot, but but I'll give them to you. I like it. So the first one I had was the Mustache Mountain Undisputed Era uh, match that was on TV, and the date was 7-11-18. That's a match that Dave Meltzer gave five stars, and I tend to agree with him. So, uh, well, I, I don't know that I usually tend to agree with him. I agree with him on this match. I think you could at least make a case it's a five-star match. I thought it was the best of their tag matches. And that's saying something. I got um, it at four and three quarters, you mock. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So, I, had, uh, I had to continue. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I could see it, but, you know, you got that five-star fear. That's fine. So Ooh, um, I like that. Mustache. I think that was a Chad Campbell <laughs> trademark. So I'm stealing it from Chad. And so he probably stole it from somebody else. Um, the next one was also Mustache Mountain. And that was the TakeOver Brooklyn 4. I had that as yeah. four and a half. Oh, me too. Uh, I had his match against Matt Riddle at TakeOver 25 at four and a half. Um, I had he and O'Reilly's match against the War Raiders at TakeOver Phoenix at four and a half. Um, had their match against Burke and Lorcan at Ch- uh, Chicago 2 at four and a quarter. Had their other... Um, mustache mountain match at the uk championship night two so that's the one where um mustache mountain won the titles so the the tv one was the one where um bait throws in the towel for uh to save trent seven right yeah they, and that's I'm night one right tyler uh, uh it's night two it's actually night two. it starts yeah. night two Oh, night one is a six man. Excuse me. Go yeah, ahead. Right, I yeah. think I've got that on here too. So I do have that on here in just a bit. So um, I had the War Games four match, which is the one with McAfee and Dunn and Birch and Lorkin at four and a quarter. I had a TV match against Walter. So I've got the date on this one eighteen twenty two. I had that one at four and a quarter. I had the Survivor Series match against AJ and Nakamura at four. I had the the night one NXT UK Championship night one match we were just talking about, which is O'Reilly, Cole, and Strong versus Mustache Mountain and Pete Dunne at four. Uh, I had the War Games three match at four, uh, and maybe I shortchanged that one a little bit if uh, Ryan Everett was saying that was – you know, your favorite one. Um, I thought that the third and the fourth one were very good. Um, the first couple I had some issues with, but uh, they were ironing out their kinks in trying to incorporate war games, but not so much. Um, I had a couple TV matches against Ilja Dragonovit, Dragonov. I'm not going to be pronouncing names. Ilja Dragonov. Correctly. Yes. Okay. Uh, and one of them was NXT UK 4722, uh, and one was NXT TV 81721. I had the uh, Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee NXT TV 
from 10-23-19 at four. I had that four and quarter. That's a great match. That's a yeah. that's a great you. I, I meant to button early. I'm sorry, but that's just a great example of his flexibility working with two bigger men. Continue. Yeah, and then um, then I had when Keith Lee wins the title. I've got that at three and three quarters. Might be I might be shortchanging that a little. Um, and the undisputed era versus Imperium Worlds Collide. I had it at three and three quarters. Um, and I. I didn't have them down, but the cruiserweight uh, tournament matches that you mentioned, particularly that Cedric Alexander, that was if that wasn't four stars, it was it was getting really close to it. So yeah, and, I have mine those. I have Kalisto in Adeo Otami at three and three quarters, and then I have Cedric at four. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds right or in the ballpark. And I, even some of his stuff in 2.0, there are some matches that I don't think quite uh, gather as many snowflakes but you know he's working against ron breaker who's, who's going to be a star i don't mean to discount him but he's a little green and carmelo anthony is that right um carmelo hayes right. yeah carmelo that was, hayes yeah that's probably his best 2.0 match right there carmelo hayes yeah well I, yeah i would imagine some of the other guys are not good <laughs> that i saw yeah. that joe gacy good god almighty what was that but yeah i was like legit two and a quarter like and it barely got there because of him. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think any of us could probably go two stars with a Roddy. So, and I'm old and fat. I'll take a backbreaker. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in luck because he's the Messiah of them. So that, uh, those real, are the matches I got. Tyler, did you hit on, I might have missed this, the Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn matches in early 2018 on NXT TV? Um, I'm sorry. I pulled up I by Kyler. I did. Okay, because I had those at three and three quarters just to add to. All right, so Adam Cole, Bebe. All right, so this is all, as my screen goes crazy, this is all based off the top five matches of the week, right? So I'm not going to name them all, obviously, because Adam Cole has, since 2018, up to when leaving, he made the top three, or he made the top five of WWE Per week, on a per week match base 45 times and I will go over Roddy and Roderick next this is just my opinion but here's some of the highlights Rumble 18 four and a half stars he was in it for fucking five minutes uh, Philly Takeover four stars Alistair Black Extreme Rules um, Mustache Mountain and Ricochet versus the Undisputed Era four stars NXT TV in June-ish yeah, that good yeah, it was pretty good. Adam Adam Cole versus Ricochet, four and a half, Brooklyn. That match um, was great. Adam Cole, Pete Dunne, Ricochet, North American title, NXT TV, 19 minutes, four and a quarter. Second match of October. The Ricochet match was the number one match of August 2018. Um, the War Games, I had the, the Pete Dunne. The Ricochet and the War Raiders at four stars. Jesus Christ, that match was 47 minutes. And uh, that's why I didn't like it as much. It was <laughs> just too damn long. 47 minutes. Jesus Christ. Um, halftime Heat, four and a quarter stars. Um, Adam Cole, along with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa versus Alistair Black, Velveteen Dream, and Ricochet. Halftime Heat. Great, great gimmick. Um, Ricochet on NXT TV in 2019, three and three quarters. 
This is a fantastic match. Fatal five-way number one contendership NXT title match. Adam Cole, Aleister Black, Matt Riddle, Ricochet, Velveteen Dream, four and a quarter in 15 minutes. Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, NXT TakeOver New York, NXT Championship, two out of three falls, five stars, number one match for uh, number one match for April. Um, the five, the six man tag for heat was the number three match for February and the five way was the number one match for March. Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle, NXT TV, 14 minutes, four stars, number three match for May. Um, Adam Cole Gargano take over 25, three or four and three quarters, number one match for June. Um, sneaky good TV match, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. Sorry, Kyle O'Reilly, no credit. Versus Adam, versus Tyler Breeze, Velveteen Dream, Matt Riddle, three and three quarters. Uh, Johnny Gargano, yeah, here we go. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole, two out of three, single street fight, barbed wire, steel cage, NXT TakeOver, Toronto, three and a half. <laughs> and that's like the one I was bitching about, but... It's it's to me it's hard to it's hard for me to say that's like a two and a quarter star match you know what I mean it's it's you get what I'm saying I'm not gonna go on and so on I struggle with those types of matches too where I think that they they get into their excess they get excessive they get they do masturbatory to your term but like you said there's some it, it's hard to go lower than you know but it, it it's when other people are saying it's four and a half five stars and you're like yeah, it's three i don't it's know it's three and or, a half yeah, you yeah. know yeah. and i can't because if you're going to say two stars that's an okay match to me and just the work rate the risk the excitement yeah. it's 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 not two stars that's that's crazy to me so i personally think the middle ground is like three and a quarter three to three and three quarters and this one i had at three and a half but anyways we'll continue um adam cole versus matt riddle nxt tv for 15 minutes, four and a half. That's the one I talked about earlier where they won against AEW. Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan, four stars, 20 minutes on that SmackDown. Um, I went three and a half on the Rollins on the next Raw. Dijakovic, Keith Lee, Kevin Owens, Tommaso Ciampa. I went four and a half at 39, 38 minutes, excuse me. And that's the number one match for March for November 2009. Um, Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne, Survivor Series, four stars. Adam Cole versus Finn Balor, four stars, the number two match for December 2019 for, on NXT TV for the NXT title. Imperium versus the Undisputed Era, four and a quarter. Um, the Bruiserweights and Tommaso Ciampa versus the Undisputed Era on NXT TV, three and a half, and it was a DQ. Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole of Portland, four and a half, seven, uh, number two match for February. The In Your House Backyard Brawl. Oh, that three and a quarter. I gave that bullshit. Just kidding. Keith Lee, four, three and a half when he dropped the title. Pat McAfee, three and three quarters in the empty arena. Number three match for August at NXT TakeOver 30. Super Tuesday. That's okay. Adam Cole versus Finn Balor the week after, or Super Tuesday 2. Four stars. Number two match for September. Uh, the Undisputed Era versus Pat McAfee, I went four and a quarter. Number two match for December 2020. Um, singles match, Adam Cole versus Finn Balor, NXT TV. Number four match for March, number four stars. That five-way in your house, number two match for June, four, four and three quarters. 
Oh, excuse me, four and a quarter. Um, Adam, this is my final favorite Adam Cole match. Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly, the Great American Batch, 24 minutes even. It was straight wrestling, four and a half stars. That's like, that is a go-to Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly match. Yeah, you can call, that's why I can't say that 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 feud was an absolute disaster. It wasn't. Because this, they went out and delivered, gave you a four and a half star legit match when there weren't gimmicks, when they weren't trying to overtop each other, and they just went out there and had a great story, great action. I wanted to rewatch it for this, but I have it from a rating at in 2021 after watching it four and a half, and then I have four and a half on the blow off at 36 at Takeover 36. So what I would say is Adam Cole has the tippy tippy top tier stuff. But Jesus Christ, if you want to go resume wise with the other guys due to their tag stuff or their deep, deep mid card stuff, let me just give you the numbers real quick. So I have Adam Cole making the top five per week, 45 times. I have Kyle O'Reilly making it 47 times. And I have Roderick Strong making it in a shocking 59 times. So Adam, I mean, Roderick Strong has the depth. Adam Cole has the top tippy top tier, like five, three and three quarters. But that's all subjective, of course. And then I would say I would guess Kyle O'Reilly has the highest median grade. That's how I would decipher these. And it's totally subjective. What say you guys? Ryan Everett, what you got? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, O'Reilly probably doesn't hit five stars, maybe, depending on the Mustache Mountain. But I would say, like, all other takeover matches are at least four, probably four and a quarter. Honestly, his average is probably four and a quarter, and that's crazy. Right, yeah. like, Like, I was going through them this afternoon. There's not one bad match. They got a great match out of... The Street Profits and the Forgotten Sons. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, that's impressive. They made Jackson Ryder kind of interesting for a match. That's that takes some talent. And well, he was destroyed fish him. for that one, right? That was fish, yeah, because yeah, because yeah. uh, Roddy had uh, Riddle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my synopsis. That. Adam Cole has the high end spot, but don't forget he's also in the spot to put in the high end to have the high end spots. You know what I mean? Cole, I mean O'Reilly probably has the highest medium star rating, and then Roddy has the depth. And it's kind of what you weigh. What do you think, Tyler? Is Roddy's your boy? Are you gonna go to the yep. bat for him? I am. So your stats just uh, just made my job that much easier too. So and, and I guess again. Yeah, it's all subjective. R- really, all of it is because there there might be someone out there that thinks, well, Roddy's the best promo. I assume if they are, they it's because they cannot hear, so they are not so listening to this podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, but just I think that like Roddy is so terribly consistent that he comes through with you know a lot of those great matches kind of in the mid card. So well. You know, if you would consider like the Riddle match in the mid card, the Keith Lee and the Dijakovic matches and just that whole run. Um, 
they didn't talk too much about Velveteen Dream. They had some some decent stuff. Uh, you kind of think he had to, you know, drop that title on the way out. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, I think the consistency is kind of one of the things you talked about. Um, and and I think some of the like the the main event matches that Cole would be in, those can be hit and miss. And everybody's level of well, how much is too much can be a little different there. So, you know, they can, they're more likely to, you know, if it hits for you, whoever you, you know, you as the individual viewer, then yeah, it'll hit a higher level. But just to me, Roddy is just use your comfort food. Again, the Arn Anderson, I could watch it all day. I could watch it anytime. Uh, so that's why I wanted to talk about him. That's why I wanted to do this podcast to talk about all the members of the undisputed era and, and just, I'm also pretty uh, uh, tag team wrestling, and in particular, kind of the Southern style that really hits my hits my sweet spot. So that O'Reilly and Strong team just really hits all those spots. That uh, that Mustache Mountain match where they're working over Trent Seven's knee. Um, and I'll give a little bit of credit there. Kyle O'Reilly was just like you know a shark to blood on that, and and that was a big part of that. So. All right, so I'm going to say subjective, guys. You know what I mean? If 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 you are under the assumption that, yes, Cole has those high-level matches, and if you're under the assumption that O'Reilly's stuff is a little disappointing up top, but you can't deny the overall medium of his grades, and then you, you, on it, you can't deny it. You can't deny um, Roddy's resume. If you're denying his resume, then he's not on your list. You you would have to really sink your teeth into the depth of his resume to put him on your list, as we just alluded to the last two hours. So I'm going to go subjective on that, guys. Um, you want me to run the numbers down real quick on what we got here? So sure. longevity, small tick to, to, to uh, Roderick Strong with a big circle around number two for Adam Cole and then a number – a very close number three for Kyle O'Reilly. That's all super close. Charisma, big check for Kyle, uh, Adam Cole. Number two, Kyle O'Reilly. Third, Roddy Strong. Star power, big check for Adam Cole. Two for Kyle O'Reilly. Three for Roderick Strong. Flexibility, we went with three equal signs there, guys. That was our biggest debate. Storylines, big check, for, or not a big check, a, a pretty good check for Adam Cole. Two for Roderick Strong in a close race. And then by a nose, Kyle O'Reilly's third. Promo skills, big, 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 big check for Adam Cole. Uh, a medium check for Kyle O'Reilly. And is that a check for Roderick Strong? I, I'm not sure, but he's third. Character work, check for Kyle O'Reilly. Adam Cole or Kyle O'Reilly. No, a check for Adam Cole. Second place, Kyle O'Reilly. Third place at uh, Roderick Strong. Work rate, one, Roderick Strong, one, A, Kyle O'Reilly, three, Adam Cole, baby. Work resume, that's subjective, guys. We just went over that, and then we went peak, oh, we'll get back to that in a second. Peak moments, um, check for Adam Cole, second, Kyle O'Reilly, third, Roderick Strong. All right, guys, make one last. We're not going to get into the work resume because we'll be here all night. Do you guys agree that it's close and that's very subjective? Yeah, I would say it's 
they're going to be pretty close on my list, I think, overall. Just They're kind of like right now, it's just I know they're in the lower quarter of it, but they're going to be around each other at the very least. So, Tyler, make one more push for Kyle O'Reilly. Or, Tyler, make one more pitch, push for Roderick Strong. Yeah, so the, the push is all about the match resume and then work rate independent of it. But like Ryan Everett had just said, they're they're gonna be close. I've got um I've got them a little I've got right now I've got Roderick at sixty six and O'Reilly at sixty seven and I've got Cole lower because I kind of value that in ring work a little more and I'm a little not quite as high on Cole, but he's on the list. I think I've got him at seventy eight. That honestly, as after we've talked about it, that seems a little further away from the other two because he does in his strengths, he, he does have a pretty big advantage there. So, um, but I have all three on the list, pretty safely on the list. Ryan, one last push for Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, just, I would argue the best tag worker in the company for the last, from 2018 to 2020, the end of 2020, he was the best, you know, he'd have the best tag matches with anyone. It didn't matter who his partner was, who his opponents were, he could do it. And you could say that's only three years, but for tag wrestling, that's a fucking lifetime yeah. within the WWE, and that should be weighed too. And, and watch them. I mean, if you, I assume everybody listening to this probably has seen those matches, but the, the timing's phenomenal. You'd see a baby face jumping for the tag, and the, their partner just disappears. I mean, it is really reminds me of the Midnight Express because their timing is that damn good and if you've heard me do any other podcasts uh if you ever heard jake williams and i did our uh our top wcw matches we counted those down and so you heard me profess my love for the midnight express so comparing the or the undisputed era to that is high high praise for me jake williams who'd he ever beat all right anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right adam cole one final push charisma star power um storylines promo skills character work he led nxt for two years at up top and that's a promotion where you were cycled in you are built and you were cycled out and they push you to the up it's developmental and he was in there when they transitioned out of developmental and you could say that he was the reason why they transitioned back to developmental but let's be real that you're just a hater he's not it's not um now, two questions for you guys. How do you think he'd fare on the main roster if he went? Ryan, quick. Um, It's tough to say just because yeah. I don't know how he'd be treated, you know. Yeah. I think if he was able to be NXT Adam Cole, I think he'd be fine. Probably like a mid-card guy, but, you know, they don't always like to keep – they like to make a little change here and there, and that could have been – yeah, especially this time frame. What about you, Tyler? Do you have any faith on his skills lasting within that system as it's built right now? Yeah, well, I have faith in Adam uh, in Adam Cole's skills. I have no faith in <laughs> the yeah, WWE main exactly. roster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think like Ryan said, idea. they changed something, and um, his his size would be something he'd have to overcome, which is 
easy easily done if you were wanting to do that. If you want to highlight a weakness, that's going to be a problem for him. Yeah, my 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 ceiling would be like an Adam would be Seth Rollins. My my median would be like Ricochet, just like push wise, you know what I mean. And then my floor would be would be like shit in and out fucking EC3. You know what I mean? Like this guy got hype. Get the fuck out of here. You know, just, I'm just saying just their push. You know what I mean? Not, not comparing them to those wrestlers. Right. So that's, that's was my, my ceiling, my floor in my like medium. And it would probably be closer to lower than Ricochet. But now my other question is you th- you don't really weigh his AEW run, but weighing his AEW run, does that, highlight how good he was in nxt or does that in hurt or does that hurt his case or anything just the i know you can't weigh it but the perception of it how how would that weigh your case of adam cole i Uh, would say ryan go ahead sorry yeah i would just say it kind of makes him seem like a bigger star just because the buzz it got when he uh, showed up, but that was kind of overdone right away by Danielson. So I don't know if it was just, oh, it was Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, or just like, oh, it was these two guys jump. Like, it's hard to kind of see who was getting more press. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to go into like, you know, I'm trying not to have his matches in AEW and his career there really affect his ranking on this one, but you know, he is a big star there. No, you can't. It's just, it's, you know, it's perception was, or it's so high. And then like, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's the resume is kind of weak and you know, whatever. What about you, Tyler? Uh, I think it reinforced the things that I already thought about and Cole and his work in NXT. And that's that he is incredibly charismatic. He, has an immediate star power that everyone takes to right away. I mean, you know, they like the, you know, story time with Adam Cole, baby. And they like to, you know, boom and, and all that, but it, that travels anywhere. That is, he's over with every crowd and he always has been. So, and obviously only the NXT work counts for this project, but before and after, you know, he's, he's been over. um, And he, you know, He's a, I think he's a good worker. So I, I don't know if I said said that before. I don't think he's a bad worker by any means. No, he's not, he's a, bad not a bad wrestler at all. And the times when I feel like there was some excess in his matches, he's not really to blame for that. So no, he toned that down, and I, I like his work far more. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, he's not a good worker. I mean, excuse me, he's a good worker. He's not like a tippity top worker like these two guys you are, you have are, in my opinion. Um, it's just. The perception of him in AEW, you know, he's is my so my thing is saying is was NXT the best universe for him, and in NXT being the biggest fish in the smallest pond, and is and by weighing that, does that hurt him for like depth on your list? Do I think he's a home run on everyone's list? Absolutely not. Do I think he should make everyone's list for the most part? Will he make everyone's list? Absolutely not. There's a lot of older guys in here that, 
you know, don't shine on the NXT work, that don't necessarily like the NXT work, and don't necessarily like it. And Adam Cole is the reason for that. So if he makes the list, I think he's got a 50-50 chance. Um, should he make the list? In my opinion, yes. Should he be super high? No, I think he's in the 80s. You know, but that's just, I haven't made my list yet, but whatever. So, all right, well, guys, I think we did a great job of kind of laying out these guys. What do you think? Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm happy with what we did. I think it was super fun, so I enjoyed it. All right, so we are being super, I think HBK booked this, guys. I think we're going a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, thank you. Ryan, thank you. Uh, Ryan, you want anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just on the Place of the Nation Wrestling Network, uh, me and my wife do a With This Ring, and we are doing our own little GWW thing. Right now we're in the middle of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels watch along. And, then, and part one is out, correct? And part two, well, yes, at, part, at the time of this recording. So. Yeah, part one is out and part two will be out shortly. Cool, probably by the time it this airs. All right, guys, Tyler, anything else before we go? Uh, no, I'm just sitting here kicking out of a Panama sunrise as we as we speak. So next one's going on spiked chair, maybe a table. <laughs> Boom. All right, guys. Hey, we'll see you next month in the middle of a month on a Sunday. All right, guys. Till next time. Later.